Welcome to Week in Review, where we recap events and issues pertinent to Central Illinois. I'm WMBD Radio News Director Will Stevenson. When last week's program first aired, airstrikes on Israel by the terrorist group Hamas were just beginning. Several thousand have since been killed, and there are a number of hostages being taken by Hamas. In both cases, Americans are involved. Earlier this week, both Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker and Illinois Comptroller Susanna Mendoza, among others, spoke at a solidarity rally hosted by the Jewish United Fund at a Chicago-area Jewish synagogue. Well, this morning we come together in solidarity to mourn and to grieve for the victims of the horrific violence against Israel. Prayers are called for, but they are not enough not nearly enough. Children, students, elderly, mothers and fathers, innocents are dead and injured at the hands of Hamas. While still others, more than 150 were taken hostage by the terrorists who now say they intend to execute some of them on camera. Among the dead and captured are hundreds of Israeli citizens and American citizens, as well as British and French and Canadian and Mexican and other nationalities. We are here at a synagogue where anger seems so unwelcome. But how can we help ourselves? To anyone who thinks otherwise, let me be clear. There are many peace-loving Palestinians, and we must honor them, but Hamas... Hamas is a terrorist organization, an army of murderers backed by Iran. Their mask has been removed. Executing innocent children and the elderly, well, there's a special kind of hell for that. And now the whole world can see the images and videos of the invasion, the slaughtering of Israeli families and the kidnappings of loved ones is sickening. We pray today for the strength and safety of the men and women of the Israeli Defense Forces as they embark on this most difficult and important mission. Each step of the way, They should know, and the people of Israel should all know, that America and Illinois unequivocally stands with them in their battle to end the ongoing Hamas attacks. We stand with Israel. From the very first moment President Biden has been clear and unflinching about our nation's support for Israel, I applaud him and Secretary Austin for their immediate action and their steadfast commitment to the Jewish state. And I want to assure all of you that I have put our state police and law enforcement across this state on alert for our own synagogues and gathering places for Jews across Illinois. There is no immediate threat 
that the FBI or law enforcement has detected here, but they are remaining vigilant, as should all of you. We who believe in peace and freedom and human rights for Israelis, for Palestinians, for all humankind must reject those who use terror as their weapon. For 75 years, the people of Israel have survived and thrived through ingenuity and grit, most of the time by overcoming seemingly insurmountable odds. With America at its side, Israel has proven to the world time and again that unity and purpose will always persevere over hate and destruction. Am Yisrael Chai. One of the most personal statements I've read since the Hamas invasion of an attack on Israel was authored by State Comptroller Susanna Mendoza. In it, she said, having visited beautiful Sterot and now seeing the images of horror and terror afflicted on it, it is heartbreaking. I pray for the lives of and safety of the friends I made there and for all the people of Israel. Comptroller Mendoza will now share more of her thoughts with us. Thank you, Wendy, for that introduction. Rabbis, Council General Cohen, Governor Pritzker, Congressman Schneider, Lonnie, and the many dignitaries and community leaders gathered here today. I'm honored to be here with you in solidarity. Please accept my heartfelt condolences and prayers for your loss. Like so many, I was horrified at the news of the surprise terror attack perpetrated on the people of Israel on October 7th, 2023, a day that will forever be remembered as a day of infamy for Israelis. On the Holy Sabbath and on the 50th anniversary of the Yom Kippur War, Hamas terrorists put on full display to the world their disregard for human life and civilization. It was a coordinated attack of epic cruelty and inhumanity. Unprovoked, they showered Israel with thousands of missiles, slaughtered hundreds of young Israelis joyfully attending a music festival, broke into homes to murder innocent women, children, grandparents and savagely took both Israeli soldiers and civilians, primarily women and children, as hostages of a war that they, Hamas, started. I had the privilege, as Wendy said, of visiting and spending quality time in Israel. I met both Israelis and Palestinians, people who cared about each other, lived among each other, and helped each other. It gave me hope that someday, maybe, there could be peace. I enjoyed my visits to Starat and Kafar but am now heartbroken to see the images of horror and terror inflicted upon them. The death toll of innocent Israelis continues to climb. It is now over 900. And as the rabbi made mention, as a percentage of population, it dwarfs the number of people killed in the 9-11 terrorist attacks against our country. Same is true for the hostages taken. It's just unimaginable. The terrorists who attacked America 
had to travel thousands of miles to rain their terror upon us. Not so for Israel, whose enemies are next door and within. And while they live with the threat of bombs every day, praying that the Iron Dome does its job, what happened on October 7th was different. It wasn't a military attack. It was a massacre of hundreds of innocent civilians at the hands of brutal terrorists. Taping it, celebrating their terror, joyously posting it on TikTok for the world to see. It was a display of pure evil and it must be stopped. The United States of America and the state of Illinois, as you've heard from our great governor, stand with the people of Israel and Israel itself. We must acknowledge Israel's right to exist and its right to utilize the full extent of its powers to defend itself against those who wish to destroy it. Israel was shaken to its core, but the resolve of the Israeli people is strong. As my friend Yossi in Israel just told me, they have feelings of anger, fear, and sadness, but most importantly, an incredible feeling of unity and resilience that they will prevail against this evil. It will take time, but they have no other option than to prevail. Let me end with this. In the days and weeks that follow, it is important to remember that Israel did not invite or provoke this war. hundreds of young people reveling in music when they were brutally massacred. They did not invite or provoke this war. The innocent women, children, and elderly peacefully asleep in their homes when they were assaulted, murdered, or taken hostage. They did not invite or provoke this war. Barbaric Hamas terrorists started this war, and Israel will prevail and live on. I'm Israel Chai. Governor J.B. Pritzker and Illinois Comptroller Susanna Mendoza. Get the latest on the war in Israel at WMBDRadio.com. More Week in Review coming up. It didn't take long for a new candidate to enter the race for a seat in Congress representing part of the area after the previous candidate dropped out. Galesburg Republican Ray Estrada had been running unopposed for his party's nomination to run against incumbent Eric Sorensen in next November's general election for the 17th Congressional District seat. He dropped out recently, saying it wasn't the right time. But retired Rockford area judge Joe McGraw is now running instead. He held a news conference outside the Peoria County Courthouse a few days ago. I've been on the bench for 21 and a half years in Rockford as a presiding judge of the criminal division and chief judge. 
and I think I've seen it all. But over the last couple of years, we saw the big influx of fentanyl into our community and to other communities. Untold deaths caused by the drugs coming across the unsecured southern border. Criminals coming through the southern border, populating our cities and making it unsafe. We've had a Democratic administration that is against law enforcement and more concerned about illegal aliens than they are about American citizens. So instead of retiring on July 5th, I took up a new challenge to put my hat in the ring for representative for the 17th Congressional District. Our district is everything that's right about America. We make things. We grow things. We've got good, honest people that work for a living. But how can they be successful when Washington policies are so much against them? You've got taxes out of control. You've got out of control spending. You've got inflation running away, sucking the lifeblood out of so many communities. We went from energy independence to energy dependence. We've got oil being imported from countries that are dedicated to our destruction. Communist countries like Venezuela. We've got people here in our, this district that when they go to bed at night, they're not thinking about global warming or some extreme environmental policy. They're thinking about how do I manage to make it through? How do I pay my grocery bill? How do I pay my fuel bill? They're concerned about their kids and the schools they're going to. It used to be that when you went to the schools, you could leave your kids off and know they were safe. Now, you're entering an indoctrination zone in schools and in libraries all across the country. That's gotta stop. My wife and I, Gail, raised five children. We've got a grandchild and one on the way. And I'm doing this because I love our country. I'm doing it because I am thinking about the next generation. This is my opportunity to step up and serve. And I'm looking forward to representing the values that made our country great. Love of God, love of family, and love of country. And I'm looking forward to your support. The issues that we're, I'm running on are not partisan issues. They're pocketbook issues. When you think about uh, inflation, that affects everybody, regardless of party affiliation. When you think about the price of fuel, that affects everybody. When you think about excessive governmental regulation and jobs going overseas instead of good paying jobs remaining here, those are not partisan issues. There are the kind of issues that affect everyone. That's what gives me optimism because I know the American people have common sense. I know the people in the 17th district have common sense. And that's gonna affect their decision when they vote. All their policies have failed. They're the ones that have stopped energy production in the United States, put a stranglehold on it. They're the ones that have caused it to be energy dependent. That affects the price of everything, whether you're talking about the supply chain, whether you're talking about at the gas pump, whether you're talking about energy for manufacturing. They put an undue burden on people that work for a living. That's a huge failure. That's driven jobs elsewhere. Can you talk about the timeline of entering this race? Uh, how far back have you decided? 
thought, uh, thought about entering and did Ray Estrada dropping out last week affect that in any way? No, uh, I've been thinking about it for a long time. I knew I was going to retire July 5th and my wife and I were praying about what was next and we kept getting the leading, the prompting that this is what we were meant to do for a time such as this. We're kind of at an inflection point in our nation's history. There's so much at stake and it's time for strong leadership. So rather than sitting on the back deck during my retirement, I decided to get out on the field and get engaged to represent the people of the 17th district. I've spoken to Ray. Ray and I are of one mind. Ray is going to be supportive of this campaign 100%. Who are you supporting for president for the Republican nomination? It's a great question. You know, when I was on the bench, I learned one thing, and that's to make sure you have all the data before you make a decision. And that's what I'm going to do. This sorting out process is still going on right now, and we're going to be following that closely. And when we have that information that we need, we'll make a decision. The former president is facing 91 indictments and civil trials. Uh, as a judge, do you think criminal indictments like that should preclude him from serving as president? Well, I'm sure you know that we're innocent until proven guilty in America, and an indictment is merely a, a statement of facts given by a prosecutor to a grand jury with no opportunity for the other side to be heard. It's been said in the past that a prosecutor could indict a ham sandwich, and this is an example of one side of the story being told to a grand jury and in the trial courts. That's where the evidence will come out and we'll make our decision based on the evidence. Based on the evidence, hypothetically, if he's convicted though, would, you, would that preclude him in your mind? You're asking me to speculate about an outcome that's not yet before us. What I'm doing is remaining objective until we have all the evidence before us. When that happens, I'll make a decision. If you were in the current Congress, would you have supported the move to remove Speaker McCarthy? You know, I think a lot of people are very disgusted, disturbed about what's taking place in Congress. They want Congress to stop being the sideshow and to get on with the work of the people. And my goal would be to do that 100 percent. You're based in Rockford. What do you know about the Peoria area and what do you feel are some of the biggest issues down here that you can feel like you can fix in Washington? I think the biggest issues in Peoria are the kinds of issues that are affecting every manufacturing town in America. Our technology has been shipped overseas. Our jobs have been shipped overseas. China has been ripping us off for a long time now. We need to bring technology back home. We need to bring the manufacturer of prescription drugs back home. Instead of buying minerals, natural resources from China, we should be mining our own. We should be developing our own petroleum industry and natural gas industry again. There's been too much emphasis on some of the other players on the world stage and not enough emphasis on hardworking people in America so they can have good jobs. Do you have any specific policy proposals that would make that happen? Start drilling again. Open up the uh, petroleum that had been running freely under the previous administration and now it's in a stranglehold, a uh, red tape of too many permits. Pipelines have been stopped. Drilling has been stopped. We need to be an energy exporter because that's good for the economy. It's good for everybody who gets a paycheck. It lowers inflation. It provides 
uh, energy for manufacturers to use as a must, they have economic energy. These are things that are an absolute must, and we know we can do them. We've done them before. We just need to get back to it. Retired Judge Joe McGraw. The primary is in March, but McGraw would so far be unopposed. More Week in Review coming up. A tour of Illinois by representatives of the state's manufacturing industries is wrapped up. The Illinois Manufacturers Association and the Peoria-based Illinois Manufacturing Excellence Center crisscross the state to celebrate what continues to be a key part of the state's economy. The Makers on the Move bus tour did, of course, stop in Peoria at Peoria Production Solutions just off Allen Road. Happy Manufacturing Month. Personally, I think that every day should be Manufacturing Day in the United States, where we recognize and honor the 13 million Americans who are the creators and makers, the innovators and entrepreneurs, the dreamers and doers. I'm Mark Denzer with the Illinois Manufacturers Association. It's a pleasure to be here in Peoria. The IMA recently released our Manufacturing Matters Economic Study, and the data is amazing. Illinois manufacturers employ 662,000 women and men on factory floors today who produce an economic output totaling $600 billion annually. This is the single largest share of Illinois' economy. These are good, high-paying, middle-class jobs that are available in every community such as Peoria. We're here to let people know that manufacturers are hiring. Manufacturing build our nation and continues to do so today. It is the greatest driver of economic progress, innovation, and wealth in our nation. Manufacturing makes the world a better place to live every single day. It's a place where you become part of something greater than yourself. Manufacturing workers like those today find purpose and meaning in their jobs. I'd like to thank Dave Boulay and Christy and the entire IMEC team, many of which are here today, for co-hosting this Manufacturing Month bus tour, Makers on the Move. IMEC does an amazing job helping small and mid-sized companies. This is our second annual Makers on the Move tour. We're in day three of an eight-day tour, more than 2,500 miles and more than two dozen stops. Special thanks to Sarah and Christy with the IMA and IMEC team who helped pull this all together. Wonderful sponsors, you see them on the bus, but folks like Argonne and Walmart, Comcast Business and more. And thanks to all of our partners, elected leaders, economic development officials and others for joining us. We, number one, we need to change the perception of manufacturing to attract the next generation of talent. Too many people have an outdated view that manufacturing is dark, dirty, and dangerous, and we know nothing can be further from the truth. Manufacturing today is resilient, it's diverse, it's sustainable, it's innovative. When you think manufacturing, you think today of things like artificial intelligence, robotics, smart factories, virtual reality, machine learning, cloud computing. Manufacturers are creating the economic engine that's reshaping the world around us. We have new technologies and processes, bringing us things like energy independence, life-saving medicine, and more efficient automobiles, to name a few. Manufacturers are moving at the speed of light. And we don't just use cutting-edge technology, we create it. But we all need to work together to address the single largest challenge of finding skilled workers. We're so proud to be on this tour across the great state of Illinois to showcase wonderful manufacturers like we're at today, along with our educational partners. Illinois and American manufacturing is strong and leading our nation forward, but we need to continue strengthening our manufacturing sector and especially our supply chains. And that's where our phenomenal partners at IMET come in. With that, please join me in welcoming Dr. Dave Boulay, President and CEO of the Illinois Manufacturing Excellence Center.
It is a wonderful day to celebrate the vibrant world of Illinois manufacturing. In fact, every day is an excellent opportunity to, to recognize the promise and the potential that manufacturing offers. And this eight-day tour, bus tour, provides a fantastic platform for all of us to share our inspiring stories. I'm David Boulay, president of IMEC, the Illinois Manufacturing Excellence Center. And our mission is clear, to bring a vast array of knowledge, tools, and resources to Illinois manufacturing especially the small and mid-sized manufacturers, which represent 99% of the industry. We do this as part of a U.S. Department of Commerce program called Manufacturing Extension Partnership, as well as four core universities, including being headquartered here in Peoria with Bradley University. I'd like to thank you for joining us on the statewide tour to celebrate the industry and amazing career opportunities that exist. Thank you, Peoria Production Solutions, our sponsors, and all of our guests. And I want to acknowledge my incredible IMEC colleagues. You bring your unwavering passion to our mission every day, making a remarkable difference to the world of manufacturing. And I do have to extend my gratitude for IMA for being a, a phenomenal partner throughout this journey. First of all, they're willing to put up with me on a bus for a whole week. Also, they've been incredible uh, as part of our mission and our, our story. And the team are nothing short of incredible voices for manufacturing. In fact, they've been a resounding voice for Illinois manufacturing for a remarkable 130 years. And it's such a tradition that makes me reflect on the past, the present, and the future of manufacturing and the incredible talent that has transformed our state into such a manufacturing powerhouse. So think back to the beginnings of IMA around the turn of the century, 1900s. We talked about the need of a skilled workforce then. We talked about the blacksmith, blockmaker, millwright, the arkwright. There still was no assembly line. Today, fast forward, and we talk about a skilled workforce. We talk about quality technicians, tool and die makers, CNC machinists, warehouse associates. And fast forward just a few short years from now, and we will be talking about a skilled workforce. We'll be talking about the energy storage technician, collaborative robotics specialist, digital manufacturing analysts, and more. We always talk about the talent and skills because people are what makes the difference. People create success. That's why we're here today, celebrating incredible talent and skills that have always set us apart. So as we reflect on our past, let's treasure the incredible history and tradition that has brought us here today. Think about it. Our parents, our grandparents, our great-grandparents have all been makers. Manufacturing is not just an industry for us, it's very much in our DNA. And as we think about the future, let's recognize the significant changes that have always been a part of our economic landscape. Manufacturers are constantly at the forefront of innovation and consistently figuring things out. So if you're considering a career in manufacturing, we want you to be a part of this incredible industry. The possibilities that lie ahead are limitless, offering a wide range of exciting career opportunities. And for those of you here today who are in manufacturing, I encourage you to help us. Let's connect. If you haven't worked with us before, now is the time. Also, share your stories, talk about career prospects, and mentor the next generation. Together, let's shape the bright future of manufacturing. Thank you again for joining us, and it is now my pleasure to introduce good friend, Chris Setti, CEO of the Peoria Economic Development Council. Uh, at Greater Peoria Economic Development Council, we're all about collaboration, and I could think of no better partners 
uh, than the collaboration that's behind me between IMEC and IMA. They've been a really wonderful uh, advocate and partner as we talk about manufacturing in our own community. And uh, you could say that, uh, um, you know, 130 years ago when IMA was first founded, uh, I imagine that there were Peoria companies that were members of that. We were once the whiskey distilling capital of the world. We are now the earth moving capital of the world, all about manufacturing. So if Illinois is the heart of America's manufacturing, I'd like to think that you're in the heart of Illinois when it comes to manufacturing and how important it is to our community's history, our community's present and our community's future. I'm really excited that, uh, that IMA and IMEC chose this particular location, one of my favorite organizations and companies in Peoria, uh, in Peoria Production Solutions. Uh, I don't think you'll find a place that's more important uh, in manufacturing than what is represented here uh, by Peoria Production Solutions. Um, you know, uh, manufacturing is a wonderful career for all sorts uh, of individuals, but it's here at PPS, I think, that you're going to see uh, how um, valuable manufacturing can be, uh, you know, to a special population of folks uh, who might not be your who you would traditionally think of when it comes to manufacturing. It's only at PPS that you're going to see a former executive director of an organization get hugs from some of the, uh, the, the folks that work here. It's a truly special place uh, and really emblematic of the importance of manufacturing in our community. So thank you uh, for, um, for uh, joining us here today. Thank you for showcasing the importance of manufacturing, not only in our community, but in our state and our country. People taking part in the Makers on the Move bus tour celebrating Illinois manufacturing. More Week in Review coming up. An item special to the Peoria International Airport now has a new home. Almost exactly 45 years after it was first installed at the original main terminal entrance, a statue now has a new home at the current main terminal entrance. Airport Director Gene Olson. At this point, I'd like to ask uh, Bill Conger to come up and talk a little bit about George Rickey and the uh, Rickey statue sculpture history. Bill? Thank you, Gene. I'll be brief. Thank you for uh, asking me to be here today, and kudos to the uh, George Downing Airport for having such uh, masterful um, uh, intention with this sculpture, uh, which is really uh, a product of one of the most important sculptors of the 20th century, George Rickey. Uh, really began. He's actually a son of the Midwest. Uh, born in South Bend, Indiana, and he began as a painter, as most sculptors of the mid-20th century did, um, and found his way into abstraction, geometric abstraction, and those of you who've ever tried painting squares and triangles uh, will know that it's difficult to activate the surface and make, make the surface alive, uh, make it sing. How do you do that? Well, George did it by stopping painting. He stopped painting altogether and moved into this idea of sculpture. And in 1951, George Rickey invented, essentially, uh, the first modernist uh, kinetic sculpture, a sculpture that moves. And the idea of the sculpture that moves in, in Rickey's mind is that it's part of the environment that, that owns it. It's really part of the atmosphere, the air, um, the currents, um, and, and the idea is that it lives 
so he created painting through sculpture, if you, if you will. This example, the two open rectangles, eccentric six, uh, square variation, I believe, uh, is uh, absolute tantamount to uh, the work that Ricky was known for. Uh, the vision of George and Norma Cotterman in 1978 to bring it to the Peoria Airport uh, and install it. For those of you who don't know, this work has been here since 1978. Uh, it was installed at the previous uh, location, the previous building, and it had an outdoor environment. Uh, upon the building of, of this lovely facility, uh, the environment had not been quite figured out, and uh, to the, to the absolute uh, brilliance of the, uh, the airport, they retained the sculpture and made sure that nothing happened to it. It did live indoors for a little while. Um, John Morris, my, uh, my colleague at Peoria Riverfront Museum, and I had some meetings and discussed the idea of letting uh, the George Rickey live outdoors. And I think about three and a half, four years later, we're standing here in this incredible uh, setting for an incredible sculpture. So kudos uh, to everyone at the airport. Uh, and uh, I hope that the citizens of Peoria, they're gonna be in a hurry when they come to the airport, but slow down and enjoy this amazing work of art, which really is a masterpiece of the 20th century. To add a little bit to the history, um, people have asked, you know, why do you have this sculpture? Uh, how did Dr. Cotterman become in, interested in George Rickey? Uh, and so we've done a little bit of research to figure that out. Um, Dr. Cotterman was on a trip in Berlin uh, and saw a Rickey sculpture. And uh, to him, uh, it evoked the uh, movement and, and materials and, and visual appeal of airplanes and air transportation. And so. Uh, he did what I would have never done. Uh, I would have been too nervous, but uh, he went and looked up George Rickey and sat down and met with him uh, in his backyard, sitting next to a sculpture very much like this one. And that started the process where, um, where Dr. Cotterman raised the funds um, and, and worked with the airport authority and with the community to, to get the funds to get the statue brought to Peoria and installed. Uh, in researching some of this, we've... Uh, uh, we, we reached out and, and found that Dr. Cotterman had two children, and they both live in the St. Louis area, um, and their names are Carl and Kathy uh, Cotterman, and her last name is Wire now. Uh, but she, she couldn't, she, we invited her here, but she couldn't be here, uh, but she did send a note, and Kathy said, we're thrilled that the airport Ricky is back in the open air where it truly belongs. We wish we could be there to celebrate both the move and the anniversary of its installation. Our father loved Ricky's work and believed it represented the movement and currents of airplane flight, which was another lifelong interest for him. Thanks to everyone who has made this possible, we know it has been one of John Morris's passion projects for a while. Uh, we look forward to seeing the sculpture in its new home. And uh, she also provided a, a short story about how her, uh, her grandkids, or I don't know if it's her grandkids or, or Dr. Cotterman's grandkids, flew back into, I think it was her kids, so Dr. Cotterman's grandkids, flew back into Peoria and, um, and saw the, when the uh, sculpture was installed in the corner of the bag claim area, they saw the plaque and they said, Grandpa's work is at the airport too? 
So they said, you'll never know where you run into his work. So I would just like to wrap up by saying that, you know, I think we met with John in probably like the first couple of months of 2020 to start talking about this. And then COVID hit. And so everything came screeching to a halt. And then, you know, after things started coming back to normal, we got together with John, relied heavily on him and Bill to kind of come up with the idea for where to put the sculpture and how to display it. And so we've moved it back out here, done some landscaping, and we're not finished yet. My dream, if you go look for George Rickey, you'll see that there's a Rickey Foundation. And for every sculpture that they know about, they have a photograph and a little blurb about where the sculpture is and what it looks like. And I want to one-up them a little bit. I want to get a webcam on this thing and then, you know, have that remoted over to them. And I think we also have a tradition that whenever George Rickey dedicated a sculpture someplace, was it Dr. Cotterman? I think. We're not sure, maybe, but um, that's why you're holding a glass of champagne. And so I would like to propose a toast to um, the rededication after 45 years and hopefully at least another 45 more of the George Rickey statue and Dr. Cotterman's efforts to get it out here at the airport. Cheers. Unbelievably, I always mention him, but our guest curator, Bill Heydrich, kept when he would come in and out of the airport saying to Bill and me, do you realize, do, do we realize that we have one of the most significant uh, modern sculptors of the 20th century tucked in the corner by the baggage claim? Because that's where it ended up after the move, as Bill mentioned earlier, from outside to inside. So you could go to New York City right now, today, and go on the High Line one of the most acclaimed urban redevelopment projects in the world. And you will you will walk by the George Rickey Sculpture Garden on the High Line in Manhattan right now. Or you can come to the Peoria Riverfront Museum, uh, take a tour of our, our art, and then come out here to the airport and see George Rickey. Uh, as you come in and out of town. That does it for this edition of Week in Review. Join us again next week on this Midwest Communications Station for another recap of some of the biggest issues and events in Central Illinois. I'm Will Stevenson, WMVD Radio News.